From Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, this is The Legal Lounge. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello and welcome to The Legal Lounge. I'm Amanda and along with the lawyers and experts here at Lanyon Bowdler, I'll be bringing you a series of podcasts that cover many aspects of law in England and Wales. It's our aim to show you that the law isn't scary and nor are our lawyers. If you have a particular legal issue you'd like me to put to our specialists for an upcoming episode, please let us know by getting in touch through the website lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, clinical negligence lawyers Natasha Gibbons and Emma Farrington talk about pressure sores, also known as bed sores, explaining the different grades and the extent these can develop and deteriorate quickly and the potential implications. Pressure sores generally affect the elderly, but as Natasha explains, they can happen to anybody, particularly those affected by spinal injuries. Hello, my name's Emma and I'm here today with my colleague Natasha. Today we're going to talk to you about pressure sores, which are sometimes also referred to as bed sores or pressure ulcers. So Natasha, what exactly are pressure sores and how do they come about? Pressure sores are injuries to the skin and the underlying tissues that are primarily caused by prolonged pressure on the skin and restricted blood flow. They can happen to anyone, but they usually affect people who are confined to bed or those who sit in a chair or wheelchair for long periods of time. They tend to develop on bony parts of the body such as heels, elbows, hips and the base of the spine. It's important to appreciate that this isn't just reddening to the skin or a general blister or anything like that. This is actually the skin wearing away down to the bone. And obviously that the area that can be affected as well is not just perhaps a couple of centimetres, but it can spread and spread and spread. And without proper treatment and fast treatment, then it can get worse and really have um, a significant impact to a whole area of skin. Yeah, so pressure sores can be absolutely devastating and they are really quite shocking to look at and really quite gruesome. And the best way of describing how they develop is basically the skin eats away at itself and just disintegrates and you can you can literally just see a hole in the body right down to the bone and that's when it's clean if it's infected it's just going to be full of pus and all kinds of gunk as well and i suppose perhaps what's most worrying really um about pressure sores is that they can develop very quickly you can go from having no reddened areas to having a reddened area in a matter of hours. And what you've just referred to, Natasha, as a reddened area, that is um, commonly cast as a grade one pressure sore. So there's a grading system in place which is used by all healthcare professionals across the board to assess the severity of pressure sores. It goes from grade one to grade four, with grade four um, being the most concerning. A grade one pressure sore typically involves reddening of the skin. When a pressure sore starts to break down, um, so you see a tear in the skin, we call that stage two pressure sore. Over time, that skin breaks down even further and a shallow crater forms in the skin and we call that a grade three pressure sore. The most serious grade of pressure sore is where the skin and the muscle and the fat has worn away right down to the bone. So when a grade four pressure sore does in fact reach this stage, obviously it's extremely painful um, for a patient and also um, it can be quite shocking to see. Um, I think anybody who hasn't actually ever seen a pressure sore doesn't perhaps quite realise the extent 
um, that they can get to and, and how serious they, they can really be. The, f- the fact that they break down so quickly is why it's absolutely imperative that as soon as uh, the development of a pressure sore is recognised, immediate action is taken to prevent it from breaking down any further. If that action isn't taken, the pressure sore will only continue to deteriorate through the grades and that can cause some quite serious complications for the patient. That can include not just a prolonged hospital stay, but they can need surgery to treat that pressure sore. They can be left with lifelong deformities. If they develop infections in the areas, then it's not unheard of for patients to require amputations. And sadly, in some cases, um, the infection can prove fatal. We commonly see them in patients who have suffered a spinal injury as well so um, not only have they got this life-changing spinal injury but they have then developed a pressure sore that has deteriorated through negligent care because they haven't been moved around enough they haven't been had appropriate equipment used um, and that can be absolutely devastating for them, not just because of the pressure sore, but because they're on bed rest for a certain period after their spinal injury anyway of about six weeks. After that, to get the maximum recovery from a spinal injury, you should be starting intensive rehabilitation. And because of this pressure sore, the patient has to be kept on bed rest for weeks, sometimes months until the pressure sore has healed and then they can start rehabilitation. But you find that they then never reach their full potential. So I've had a client who suffered a spinal injury developed a grade four pressure sore that was negligently caused and then negligently treated thereafter. The rehabilitation was then delayed by 17 weeks and because of that he didn't regain proper use of his arms and therefore he was unable to transfer and he was unable to undertake his own personal care which he would have been able to do had that pressure sore not developed and had he received intensive rehabilitation after six weeks. Unfortunately it's not a unique case. Those are the cases in a way as well that are the most devastating because they can often be young people who have perhaps had had a devastating injury uh, or accident anyway and then on top of that they've now also got this pressure sore to deal with um, which obviously will will take on many complications of of its own. Absolutely so anyone can develop a pressure sore it's just that some people are more prone to developing them whether because of their age or because they're less mobile. So many of the cases have a massive mental impact on on so many of these clients because they can go from being absolutely fine to Mm -hmm. needing 24-hour monitoring and and support with proper care and treatment pressure sores can heal and and cause no lasting damage those aren't the cases that we tend to see unfortunately where we help people is um, in those cases where a pressure sore has not been treated properly Um, and this can result in a clinical negligence claim against the relevant healthcare provider i know natasha that you've dealt with a few of those cases in the past Are there any common issues that tend to arise in terms of the treatment and care that people who have developed a pressure sore receive? Unfortunately, yes. There are common themes in pressure sore management that have caused clients injuries. So one of the most common issues we see is a failure by the healthcare professional to evaluate a patient's skin and to identify the risk of them developing a pressure sore in the first place. So a failure in the actual risk assessment part of the care. 
Yes, so a failure to plan the care needed to prevent a pressure sore from developing and a failure to put that plan into place. So, for example, the elderly tend to have thinner skin and therefore they're at more risk of developing a pressure sore and that risk needs to be identified and steps taken to prevent the skin from breaking down. We also see um, failures by healthcare professionals to recognise the development of the pressure sore and to take appropriate action to prevent it from developing into a grade two, three or four. So obviously Natasha you've referred then to it being a common issue that healthcare professionals fail to put in place um, an appropriate plan to prevent patients developing pressure sores. Um, And from experience, we know that such a plan might include nurses being responsible for things like regularly repositioning the patient or mobilising them if that's possible, keeping the skin clean and dry and using special equipment such as foam mattresses or other devices. And so in those cases that you've dealt with, Natasha, what exactly have you done for for the client? How have you investigated the case and what has the outcome been? The first thing that we have to do in any clinical negligence case is consider whether there has been failings in the care that the patient has received, and we call that breach of duty. We also have to consider whether in the absence of those failings, the patient would have developed a pressure sore. Sometimes, despite best efforts, a patient is at such high risk of developing a pressure sore that even if you put all of the necessary steps in place to prevent it from developing, it just can't be avoided. When investigating clinical negligence claims, and as you've referred to, um, considering whether there has been a breach of duty, it's usually necessary for us to obtain expert evidence from independent medical experts with the same speciality as the medical professional that we are making allegations against. In pressure sore cases, this tends to be the tissue viability team or the nursing staff that have seen, you know, or been involved with the care that has gone wrong. Um, So we would instruct experts in, in those areas that we regularly use and trust to provide a report on the care that's been received. Yes, so the first thing that we're going to do is obtain all of the medical records and see exactly what has and hasn't been done. So generally where a a pressure sore is recognised by medical staff and it's developing from a grade one into a grade two, three or four, the first thing they should be doing is obtaining the opinion of a tissue viability nurse as to how they should handle this situation and what steps should be taken to treat the pressure sore that has developed and to prevent it from deteriorating further. And so if we recognise from review of the medical records that, for example, a tissue viability nurse hasn't been involved or there has been no consideration to a change of equipment or a patient hasn't been repositioned regularly to offload the pressure on the area, then we will generally, as a first step, instruct an independent tissue viability nurse to review what's happened and to tell us whether they think that anything should have been done differently. And if it had been done differently, would it have made a difference? In the pressure sore cases that you've dealt with, Natasha, what has your client been awarded in in terms of compensation? As as I've mentioned, not all pressure sores are negligently caused, but unfortunately there are a number that, that have been negligently caused and they could have been avoided. One of the key things that we are seeking to compensate our client for in those circumstances is for the pain and their suffering and the loss of immunity that they've endured because of the presence of that pressure sore.
pressure sores are completely debilitating and the the main way that they are treated is by keeping pressure off the area so it can mean a significant period of immobility for the client and quite often restriction to bed rest we also look at the associated costs of that pressure sore being present so if they have needed additional carers or additional equipment paid for privately we we look to recover the costs in that respect as well. And like you've said there, Natasha, obviously pressure sores can be um, completely debilitating and people who develop them can need a lot of care, whether it be from family members or commercial carers, to help them with things um, such as transferring and keeping pressure off that area. And also um, doing things as well like keeping dressings changed and clean and also with general fetching and carrying and meal preparation. So that's also something that we can look at um, when we claim um, for compensation at, at the very end stages of a case. The main aim of compensation in any case is to try to put the patient in the position that they would have been in but for the negligence. So if, for example, a individual has developed a pressure sore to their heel um, negligently and that has deteriorated and become gangrenous and ultimately resulted in the client having their leg amputated by way of treatment then we look to try to recover the costs of a prosthetic limb for example so that they are put in as close to the position that they could have been in but for the negligence but of course that's not always possible. And as you've already said, Natasha, um, unfortunately, some some cases do prove fatal because of infection. And in those cases, um, we can also act for family members. Obviously, the compensation is never going to bring them back and it's not going to take away what's happened. But it can um, help to provide some help in in situations where there's been some financial dependency on on the person that's passed away and to put you back in the position that you would have been in if the negligence hadn't occurred. The law does become rather artificial in fatal cases because, as you say, nothing is going to bring back the person who has passed away. But if, um, for example, um, a widower has has lost their, their other half and was reliant on them for income and running of, general running of the household, we can try to obtain compensation for them to go some way to making their life a little bit easier moving forward. And of course, there, there is a secondary aim to clinical negligence cases that we have to always bear in mind. That second aim is obviously um, to make sure that mistakes that do happen don't happen again and um, to assist healthcare providers um, in the continual learning and development and to maintain standards. In some cases, pressure sores just can't be avoided um, and they would have developed with everyone's best efforts in any event. But in those cases where there has been negligence and they could have been avoided, by bringing a claim, hopefully um, it will keep standards up and help to maintain and continue with learning and the development of the treatment of pressure sores and how they can be prevented um, wherever possible. Quite often people will come to me and say, I just want to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else. So in, in spite of everything else that's going on, that, that is their goal. They, they want to make sure that people learn from these mistakes and prevent such devastating injuries happening to someone else in the future. Thank you.
Thanks to Natasha and Emma for lending their expertise. I think we all learned something in that one. Yet more proof that lawyers don't bite. If you need legal help from either of them, please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk. That's lblaw.co.uk. And if you have a particular legal issue you'd like me to put to our specialists for an upcoming episode, please let us know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show and find any of the conversations interesting or helpful, please remember to use your podcast app to follow The Legal Lounge so that you never miss an episode. That was The Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.